You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning. Welcome to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on the dial. The time is exactly 8.01 on this beautiful, beautiful Thursday morning in June. Father Greg Sakowitz, the rector of Holy Cathedral here in Chicago, and co-host Mark Teresi, a great friend and assistant to the rector, which happens to be me, for Plan Development. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good morning. Very good. Grandpa's here. Yeah, I was going to say, grandchild number four. Eleanor Joy is home, which we're thrilled about. My wife just got a call this morning about babysitting for when our new grandson comes in November, and she's like over the moon. So be number five. Five. Wow. You're too young to be a grandma and grandpa. Well, and it's interesting. So in this, you know, terrible time that we're living through, those little lives give you a sense of hope and joy. Oh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes I think about, Mark, the world they are being born into. Yeah. It's a different world than we were born into, but every generation or time has its own joys and struggles, you know, across the board. So we talk about the good old days. I'm not sure the good old days ever really existed. It's very relative. We have a tremendous program lined up. Our phone number, 312-255-8408, 312-255-8408. We have with us on, well, first of all, following the death of George Floyd and civil unrest that followed, we thought it would be good to invite back to our program Three representatives of Nonviolence Works. We have with us on the phone right now Alfredi Weedham, Vice President of Nonviolence Works, and Larry Campbell, Treasurer of Nonviolence Works. And um, we're still waiting for Philip Bradley. So, Alfredi and Larry, welcome to the program this morning. How are the both of you doing? Very well. Thank you, Father Greg. And many thanks to you for inviting us back to talk about this uh, urgent problem. Issue. Exactly. Now, it's really Dr. Alfredi Weedham from um, Loyola University. Yes, that's correct. Thank you. I am. I teach in the sociology department. Mm-hmm. And, and you've, been there for, very... you've been there for many years, correct? Well, about 13 years. Oh, okay, I thought you were about 20, 25 for some reason, because <laughs> I, know, I know you're only 39 years old. <laughs> yeah, well, right, Father Greg, so how could you think that? <laughs> Larry, are you there with us? Yes, I am, Father Greg. And this is, uh, I think, as you as I mentioned, Alfredi, this is a very urgent topic. Maybe just for a moment, either Alfredi or Larry, uh, a short background of nonviolence works. Well, I can begin by describing briefly that several years ago, uh, we, that is, Philip Bradley and I, who are neighbors in South Shore, started talking more about how to solve social problems. Um, Philip has been a a nonviolence trainer, a community organizer for many years in Chicago, was particularly successful in training youth in the Chicago public school system with what was called the SMART program on how to bring youth back into being able to attend high school. 
and uh, he start and I started to do some short trainings in the different parts of the archdiocese. We were at uh, Holy Family that first summer when Larry attended, mm-hmm. and Larry, you can take it up from there. Sure. Uh, thank you, Alfredi. I was so impressed by what Phil and Alfredi were doing, and nonviolence has been a subject that I've been very in- involved with and interested since college, uh, that I went up to him during a break and I said, hey, I'd like to get involved. And from that, Nonviolence Works was formed, and since that point, we've tried to do what we can in terms of the Chicago land area, uh, in terms of schools, churches, organizations, to try to teach them the techniques to nonviolence. Mm-hmm. Now, how how has the George Floyd death and that movement and momentum? How has that changed your lives in terms of in terms of the work that you're doing? It made everything more urgent. What was urgent before is now exceedingly urgent. Mm-hmm. Um, our focus is on the principles and practices of nonviolence, as was practiced by Dr. Martin Luther King. And the need for people to learn, unlearn violence in order to learn how to become a violent person and develop violent, uh, nonviolent, I misspoke, and nonviolent families, nonviolent schools, nonviolent medical institutions, nonviolent police practices, nonviolent businesses, all those things have to be taken up now because there is no more uh, ignoring that. Mm. Now, Alfredi, it's interesting, but like you've mentioned the word urgent three or four times, which I so totally agree with you. And then we talk about you need to practice nonviolence. So maybe either Alfredi or Larry, say more about that in terms of how nonviolence or violence is taught. You know, Father Craig, one of the things that was so sad to me during the situation of unrest uh, when some folks decided that violence was the only way that they could make changes, and they justified that they had to do it. And I've had conversations with some of my friends um, who absolutely think that was the only thing to do. And, of course, that saddens me quite a bit because we have certainly worked nonviolence works for a number of years to try to tell people that actually nonviolent protests do make changes, violent protests do not make mm-hmm. changes. And uh, I think, this, as Jessel Freddy mentioned, it is actually so urgent right now. There's so, so much chaos going on in the country that we need to get back to the ground floor, which is to teach people. You know, it's very simple, Father Greg, to say, oh, I'm nonviolent. But they really know nothing about what nonviolence is. Mm-hmm. Maybe some people have read about Dr. King. Maybe some people have read about Gandhi. And certainly anybody who reads the Bible sees the nonviolent Jesus. But I don't, I don't think they really know enough to understand how significant nonviolence can be. And also, it, it's something that you know, people think, oh, you know, you're, you're being cowardly by being nonviolent. I think you're actually stronger and more courageous totally agree. to be nonviolent. Now, Cardinal has come out and said that when the schools open, there'll be a curriculum uh, dealing with the George Floyd incident, racism, etc. Um, 
How would you imagine or how would you envision um, that curriculum? It sounds like your organization could be very helpful to the Archdiocese in terms of looking at that issue. Yes, uh, it certainly is something that we have thought about, and we have had some conversations with the uh, superintendent of Catholic Education. Dr. Jim Rigg? Jim Rigg, uh, Mm -hmm. Melissa Link, we also spoke with her recently. And so we we would uh, want to be consultants to them. Uh, Since we have already a curriculum geared for both elementary and high school, we are hoping to be able to apply some of the principles and insights that we obtained from that experience. Wonderful. Uh, We're we're going to take a little break now, um, but when we come back, let's continue our conversation about how how nonviolence works can really be extremely helpful uh, as our archdiocese looks at this issue and helpfully training our children to understand how nonviolence works. So WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago on your dial. Our phone number is 312-255-8408. We will be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. in our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. We invite you to watch Catholic Chicago this weekend. Featuring a conversation with Cardinal Blaise Supich and video highlights from across the Archdiocese. Here's host Todd Williamson. We'll talk with Cardinal Blaise Supich about the outreach efforts underway by the Catholic Church to help people in need during the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll show you how online masses have become a common way of worship, and we'll give you a sampling of how teachers and students in Catholic schools are being creative and productive during the health crisis. Watch Catholic Chicago Friday at 7 p.m. on Chicago Loop Cable, Channel 25, and Sunday afternoon at 3 on the Comcast Network, Channel 100. WNDZ 750 AM on your dial, Catholic Chicago. Our telephone number, 
312-255-8408, and we're speaking about nonviolence works. And you know, Father Greg has a question. You know, both for Alfredi and for Larry, and that maybe Alfredi can start. Uh, hey, his, uh, Father Greg, I'm sorry to interrupt. I have Phil with me right here. I'm here. Uh, Philip, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. Just wake up, Philip. How are you? Philip you know, Bradley, president. Yeah, of Nonviolence Works. At, uh, well, thank you for joining us, Philip, and uh, you can make a great trio, Philip and Alfredi and Larry. Is maybe then maybe all three for a moment is um, we, we keep talking about violence, we keep talking about nonviolence, we keep talking about how it's uh, taught and uh, values are caught, not taught. And uh, where are we still missing the mark? Because you know, I have some people saying to me, you know, what's the problem? And others are saying we have a tremendous problem so maybe you can speak the whole thing about where are we still missing the mark? Uh, very good question to start with. Uh, I would say this, that uh, have you ever heard that the premise, uh, if your premise is wrong, your conclusion is wrong? You with us, Philip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so what, what the problem that we're experiencing with the uh, whole issue of race Race is actually a byproduct of another problem that we don't want to address, which is sexism. See, if, if a man does not see his own wife, sister, or mother as an equal, no other man could, no other person could commit equal to him. Mm-hmm. And so, so we're really dealing with sexism as the, as the cause of the, this reaction. Because, once again, if your own people, your own sister or wife is not your equal, no one could be your equal. And so we, in America, we, we had the battle of sexism, and even women didn't get the right to vote in 1920. So, and we still deal with that. So it's almost like it's the, it's, uh, it's the untold secret. Uh, it happens in churches. Uh, sexism starts first, then we deal with other things of racism. And so we have to really track this thing to its source. And not keep trying to put a band-aid on it. Think we have a good discussion, and we could move on. So, so we need to right back where we started from. So people are listening; they're in parishes. How do you reach out uh, with this message uh, in terms of nonviolence works and the message you just articulated? How do we reach out to parishes and help them to understand that's part of the their formation as disciples of Jesus Christ to understand this? Well, as Larry mentioned earlier, the nonviolent Jesus is the core of the New Testament. And many Catholics, as well as others, but we're only speaking to Catholics this morning, don't understand that. They don't understand that to be a good Catholic, in effect, in principle, means that we have to learn the nonviolent ways of Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of work to do just from that level. Do you hear it coming from the pulpit at all? Yes, uh, we do hear Well, most fundamentally, we heard it coming from Rome several oh, years ago in 2017, mm-hmm. right, where the Pope articulated the, the, the message of nonviolence in his um, address for, for the year, you know, the year of peace. And... And he continues to remind us about that, and I know there is continuous work in the Vatican to address some of the many dimensions 
of embedded violence in our societies, including, for example, in the Church's position on just war. He is actually, the Pope is actually reconsidering that whether that doctrine uh, is consistent with the message of Jesus Christ. You know, the question I have is, uh, the, all three of you have been on the program many times and outstanding, and one thing we've never talked about, but it's now connecting now because you see it in the newspapers and here on the radio programs, is the whole thing of, you know, Colin Kaepernick back in, I think it was 2016 or 27, taking a knee, which really caused a great stir in the National Football League among fans, among coaches, among players. And, um, and so I read an article a few days ago that talked about when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, he did it in a very peaceful way and finding that people, some were listening and some were not listening. And all of a sudden it's now escalated to this violence like, like the volcano just erupted. So you know, maybe it's a topic of another program, but your thoughts on the Colin Kaepernick approach from three, four years ago to where we're at now? Well, actually he was uh, totally vindicated uh, as a result of what happened in Minnesota uh, because that was the point he was trying to make, and it was lost. Uh, in translation, and it was interesting, and he took a knee, and the officer had a knee on this man's neck, uh, which was really another level of spiritual symbol- being symbolic and very specific. But, the, uh, but I'm glad that he got vindicated and he had to die for history that's right, right in the interest. And so things are speeding up from that standpoint. Uh, but once again, when we look at nonviolence, the, the history of nonviolence, Laws that govern nonviolence and the science of it, which that's why nonviolence works teaching. And if you went through the course of nonviolence, you would see all of the social contradictions that happen with the riots that we teach this in the class. Uh, let me give you an example. There's generally three types of people that show up to a uh, public dynamic uh, demonstrators, uh, protesters, and, and spectators. Okay? Now, the demonstrators are those who actually been trained to understand why we're here and to keep your discipline because you're trying to prove a social point. Pro- and, and so we are for something. We are for something. Protesters are always against something, and violence has a great chance of breaking out. Because when you're against something, you can have a negative disposition. Philip, can we continue this? We'll continue on that line of thinking and thought uh, when we take a little break, after we take a little break. WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on your dial, Catholic Chicago, 312-255-8408, WNDZ. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. nothing like having a friend to talk to when things are not going well. And in these challenging days, everyone has had moments when they are discouraged, sad, or worried. 
Catholic Charities wants you to know that we are here. If you or someone you know would like to share your concerns with a professional, call 312-948-6951 anytime, day or night, and you will be connected with an experienced counselor who will listen without judgment and offer compassionate, confidential advice that you can trust. That phone number again is 312-948-6951. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here for you. Food pantries, home-delivered meals to seniors, evening-to-go meals for the homeless, financial assistance, counseling, and other services. These are all programs Catholic Charities has been providing for years to people in Cook and Lake Counties. And during the COVID-19 pandemic, we have worked to keep all of these programs going, never turning anyone away. The needs are urgent and they will grow, but we want you to know that we will be here, as we always have been, with food, housing, financial assistance, and ongoing support. Thank you to the many, many donors and partners helping us serve those most in need. We couldn't do it without you. Would you consider joining us too at this historic time? Go to catholiccharities.net to donate and to learn more about our volunteer opportunities. Thank you on behalf of all those we have the privilege to serve. Before, during, and after COVID-19, Catholic Charities is here. We're back, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. on your dial. Father Greg Sackwitz here at Catholic Chicago. Mark Teresi is asking the next question. Philip, I would like you, could you continue? We talked about demonstrators, protesters, and you were on spectators. And their spectators, role. yes. Right. Um, those who just come to see what happens, and they go with whoever wins. So if there's oh. whoever, whoever wins the battle, that's who side they are. So they, they don't have any skin in the game. And, and how do they measure a win? Uh, they don't. They just spectators. Uh, they just whoever whatever comes out that they follow that line of thought. Mm-hmm. Period. Because uh, they don't see how to be social uh, changers, so they see who to follow. So non um, nonviolence works. How does it fit into any of those three roles? I mean, are are you educating people to the three roles? Do you educate them toward a particular position? No, we actually, uh, well, the, the role is turning people to demonstrators. How do you demonstrate correct character? Okay. How do you demonstrate the position you are discussing? How do you demonstrate uh, the, 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 the problem? You have to demonstrate it, because obviously people are, can't see and understand. So you really have to demonstrate uh, your own personal conviction and your own moral conviction. But what you have to do, and I share with Dr. Weedham all the time, is that it's more important that when, you, when you're doing a demonstration, because the premise is, I was minding my business, and a cop just started bothering me. Well, well, you have to prove that point. So you just walk down the street, sing Amazing Grace, and, 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 and if what your premise is correct, it will bother them, and they're going to be irritated. So you don't have to antagonize them because you didn't antagonize them when they, when they jumped on you in the first place. So you have to prove your premise. You know, I was in, I was... people are so crazy that you could, just be, you could be doing the right thing, and it just drives them crazy. And maybe a question I would have for um, maybe at this point, Alfredi or Larry is, um, and you, you've all three been wonderful. Is when you have these initial protests that have started with the death of George Floyd and going to in different cities, many of them breaking out into uh, violence, and now also we've seen in Chicago and other places peaceful protests. I guess the question is, if if we're happening again this weekend, 
as one person said to me, why does it have to keep going on weekday after weekday or weekend after weekend? As he said, I'm starting to get it. So I guess the question is, why, again, first weekend, second weekend, third weekend? Is this something we're, is this something we're going to see all summer? My point is, we've seen so many protests. Is there a need for more of them? I'm just raising the question that he was raising to me. Well, uh, uh, yes, to answer your question. Uh, two days after uh, George Floyd died that way, the same thing happened in another city. It just didn't get highlighted because every week, the police do the same thing over and over again. They keep they don't they haven't stopped doing it yet, and until they stop, so you have to keep it in front of everyone's mind that it's happening. Because for so many years, we were just a uh, police statistic, and it and it didn't have any effect on the rest of the world. It just had a, an effect on the black community. Now everyone sees it's a problem, and you've got to keep that in front of them as long as they keep doing the same mistake. If I could jump in here, uh, I would add that the value of this public uh, activity of demonstrators and protesters is that it gives the spectators, which is the majority of Americans, of course, a chance to look and evaluate what it is that they're seeing. Because it's been, as Philip was already saying, it's been so hidden. Uh, we've had problems before, and then after a few weeks, it all gets um, you know, um, spirited away under some label about investigation. Or uh, Now, people, and I would also um, suggest that more people who were spectators are becoming demonstrators, because now they can see much more clearly the negative effects of of police brutality and 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 of of non-peaceful ways of addressing whatever the social problem is about you know with with individual people that that police are supposed to be providing safety and security for um, they they have a they are able to see that this is affecting them in their area too it's a, it's going on around them too and people are starting to step up, I think, in a number of different ways. For mm-hmm. example, with the property damage, many communities have seen volunteers stepping mm-hmm. up to help. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and it, it doesn't take everybody. It just takes, as we often talk about, uh, three and a half to five percent of a group to turn the tide, and it can go in either direction. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, Vega, I, I will give you a story, and that is uh, near the cathedral two weeks ago when we had the tremendous violence in Chicago downtown area. Um, a gentleman in a well who owns a building, he leased out to a company that the windows were blown out and things were taken, and the next morning, as he's cleaning up, six or seven um, protesters or demonstrators who were peaceful came back the next morning and helped him clean up the mess. He was. They were saying we were not part of the violent group, but we're very sorry what happened to the building here. And he was so impressed that they came back the Sunday morning and were helping him for three, four hours clean up the glass and the debris. He said, "I'll always remember that." Mm-hmm. And he says uh, they did not represent those who were the the violent ones. We're just calling it the looting and destruction, the stealing. And maybe just before we get to the end here, now, real quick, Larry, and that is uh, 
I know you. I know you, Larry Campbell, and you're a very peaceful person. What drew you into nonviolence works as part of your ministry? I took a course in college, Father Greg, on uh, nonviolence um, with Dr. King and uh, Gandhi as the uh, recipients. And then, of course, in terms of my faith, uh, in terms of reading the Bible, certainly we know how Jesus always practiced nonviolence. You know, the nice thing, Father Greg, is that a lot of our pastors in the Arch have invited us to come um, to their parish. We've had uh, certainly many officials. Um, in terms of staff and the arch to, to assist us. And we have a lot of contact um, in terms of community activists throughout the you know, Chicago area. But certainly, you know, now's the time, as Alfredi mentioned and you have mentioned, the urgency of making changes. And for that, we need more volunteers. And on so, that note, anybody, yeah. on so, the, we have an urgent need to end this part of the program. <laughs> We're getting a, a call from my uh, producer engineer here. And so I want to thank in a very, very special way Philip Bradley, President of Nonviolence Works, Dr. Alfredi Weedham, Vice President of Nonviolence Works, and Larry Campbell, the treasurer of the, of the group. Uh, you'll be back on again because we could literally have spent a couple of hours oh, on this yes. topic. You've been on before. May God bless all of you. Our phone number, 312-255-8408, 312-255-8408, Father Greg Sackowitz. And Mark Teresi on WNDZ 7.50 a.m. The time is exactly 8.30. It's beautiful Thursday morning. So God bless the three of you. We will be back. Stay with us. Do not touch that dial.